What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster and Deshaun podcast. It is Sunday night, February 21st. My name is Rob Doster. That gentleman that you see me with me right there is the one and only Deshaun Butler, former West Virginia All-American, current podcaster and co-host right here. And, and Deshaun, before we get into this, I do want to give you a little bit of a shout out. Uh, you are coaching basketball. You are doing a national podcast for the first time. You are grinding it all out. You have three kids at home and a dog that you can see back there in the background on that couch. Uh, so I just want to give you props for being able to do all of that, watch games, and land interviews with guys like Bob Huggins. It's uh, it's not a bad job that you're doing here at the start. And, and I, one more thing before we get into that, I do, do just want to mention. So we had Bob Huggins on the pod last week, obviously. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and you kept mentioning how, like, you guys had all these crazy, exciting endings during, like, the, the 2010 Final Four season. So I went back and I watched some of the highlights. And the one thing I did not remember is, like, you are – I think you were physically incapable of, like, making a normal shot as a buzzer beater. Every <laughs> shot that you did was a buzzer beater. It's like, you were the layup, like, twisting and throwing it over your shoulder or, like, pump faking and stepping across and, like, leaning through a guy. And they all went in, man. Shot. Hey, if it goes in, it goes in, it goes exactly. in. Exactly. Facts, facts. I looked back and I watched it. I was like, can he just – like, what is, what's going on here? What's he doing? Hey, man, you just got to take what you can get. It was a lot of fun, man. Like, being in those situations, Rob, you know, that's, like, it's, it's insane to even – like talk about it because I, I I got a chance to like live through it, but just like watching it is just like I don't know how to half that shit went in. <laughs> it's just like watching it, like the footwork, people like all, like guarding you and everything. It was insane. Shout out to those days though. I was like, yeah, uh, no, it was funny. I, I was I was texting with Robbie Humble about it, and I was and he was like he was like, yeah, Deshaun's a great guy, but his game. It's so unorthodox. And like, that's the uh, nicest way of putting it, man. <laughs> uh, bro. It is very difficult. Like, I mean, I, I can only imagine how it was to how difficult it was to guarding me. Like I was very slow. I wasn't an athlete and I just knew how to, I could shoot the basketball and I knew it made me that much faster. Yeah. So because people didn't want me to shoot, it made me be, be able to get where I needed to go in the court. So work with your jumper kids who are listening. There you go. All right, we got a, we got a lot to talk about. It was a crazy yeah. weekend in college basketball. The Blue Bloods are officially back, Deshaun. Uh, I do want to pick your brain a little bit on Jalen Johnson and kind of the, the skirmish that we had on the sideline of the Texas and West Virginia game. You have to give your opinion on the top of the Big 12 because we had a couple of big-time matchups in that conference. Uh, but before we do, we might have had the game of the year today on Sunday. It's, we're recording this on a Sunday night. Um, you're going to get it in your phones on Monday morning. But it was uh, Michigan at Ohio State. Michigan won. I believe the final score was 92 to 87. So, yeah. Um, it was uh, unfortunate that the ending came with a couple of, like, just crazy miscues by, by Ohio State. But overall, yeah. like, it was one of the most well-executed, high-intensity, most entertaining basketball games that I've been able to watch this season. So uh, give me your takes on this. Talk me through it. What, what do you think of Michigan? What do you think of Ohio State? Where are you at in all of this? I will definitely agree with you. One of the best – like, it could easily – it's like in there for game of the year. Like, it was such an entertaining game from start to finish. Um, Probably not to the very end to finish, but it was – what the last aside for the last two minutes of the game, like the game was like absolutely amazing. Hunter Dickinson, like I, I'm like so impressed with his game because like in a an era of basketball where everything is you know we're playing smaller, we have like three men playing to four and everything is just so fast paced and. In any scenario where you have a guy like that big that can just be used as a mismatch, he does absolutely everything in his power to turn him being like 
which could possibly be looked at as like a, a disadvantage when they're playing small ball. And ter- he turns it into an advantage by just like being a monster on the floor. Like he is just so difficult, like screening, rolling, ceiling. He just makes it difficult for everybody on the floor. Initially, when the game started, EJ Liddell gets the ball, backs out, knocks a jump shot down. And I'm sitting there like, here it goes. Ohio State's getting ready to take advantage of this mismatch here with Hunter Dickinson on EJ Liddell. And it was an absolute battle, like the entire game. So, I mean, if you guys have not watched the game, please do. Like, I hope you friggin' recorded it or you can go look on wherever you can to go look at it again. By far, one of the best games I've seen all year. Yeah, I mean, the shot making was was at a completely different level, right? Like, yeah. I think both teams shot 50% from three, like 11 for 22 or something like that. Yeah. But but you're right about Dickinson. You know, the, the, the biggest concern – there's two real concerns that I have with Michigan kind of long-term and big picture. And, and, and the, it's the reason why I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to kind of call them um, as good as Gonzaga and as good as Baylor is. And that's because one, uh, I don't fully trust their point guard player. Although like Mike Smith was really good. I know he only yeah. shot like three for nine, but he was really good. He today. played great. Eli yeah. Brooks played great today. He made some but, big shots. That's what I said. He made he big shots. shots. Yeah. He didn't do anything out of his like his uh, his lane. He stayed in his lane and made some big shots. Yeah, and um, so that was that was good to see. Uh, and again, like the other the other part of it is what happens when Hunter Dickinson is forced to kind of defend in space. You know, and uh, I didn't think he was great doing it, but I thought he was good enough where you get 22 and nine out of him, five offensive rebounds, couple assists. Like he more than like he won that matchup, you know, yeah. that, like that's where the mismatch was. And he completely won that matchup. He, yeah. oh man, the dunk that he had in the second half uh, with about six minutes left. So yeah. Yeah. Where he got the ball in the post. There were two guys on him. He just kind of fought the ball off and just went up and like ripped the rim off. Steps oh, through, finish him. Okay. I was, okay, Hunter. I was um I was impressed with Michigan's um patience. They get the ball in the post, whether it was um uh slipping my mind there, their backup center, but his name, but either him and Hunter Austin Davis. Austin, Austin Davis, there we go. Davis is they were all patient, and you know, Ohio State was double teaming in the post early on in the game, every time. And after the first time they got a chance to see it. The next, I would say, four or five times, they would kind of post and bait, wait, and they found they found Isaiah Livers for threes, and they found uh, Shondi Brown for threes early. Like, they did a really good job to the point where they didn't have, that Ohio State had to go zone. And, mm-hmm. like, and she, I mean, even Michigan went zone because Ohio State, like, there was nothing at a certain point in the game that Michigan could do with – Dwayne Washington Jr. Like it was nothing they can do with him. He was um, he was amazing. Usually Liddell was amazing today. CJ Walker played great. Like it was. I, I honestly I was wondering if Michigan because Michigan is a very like well rounded team. I was wondering if Michigan was going to let these three guys beat them. And just it it shows you like how well rounded of a team Michigan it is. Like what Hunter Dickinson had twenty two. Um, Isaiah Livers had, what, 12 or 14 points. Eli Brooks with 17. Mike Smith with 11. Shondi Brown off the bench with 15. Um, they – this is like a – this is the thing that kind of – like when I look at Gonzaga and I look at – I look at um, Baylor, they have a, a great group of guys that score the basketball. And then when I look at the rest of the country, this is why it makes me feel comfortable to say Michigan is like – uh, and that 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 third team is because of the well-roundedness. Like I don't see a lot of teams now. This this weekend we had a lot of guys. Like we had a good five guys and certain teams get double figures. But consistently, Michigan does that a lot more than most teams in the country that are up there for that third best team in the country. Yes. So the where I yeah I, I'm with you. Like they're they're very very good. Um, and I do want to get into some of the stuff that happened at the end. With with Ohio State, we're we're definitely going to get into that. But <laughs> I keep so I don't know if I've kind of talked myself into the Michigan is not as good. Um, and I, I'm trying like I I'm trying to figure out at what point I have to kind of get rid of that take and, and not be committed to that take. You know what I'm saying? Because we, right. let's just let's just think about this big picture, right? We have a Michigan team that is 16 and one on the season. They've had one game where they did not 
look at like utterly dominant in basically the last like four months. You know, they, they started the season a little bit slow, which is understandable. They got some new pieces, um, a couple grad transfers and a freshman. Like, okay, yeah. Uh, started the season a little bit slow. Um, they had to slip up against Minnesota. And yeah. like, this was actually, so here's a crazy stat for you. Um, according to the net ratings, before beating Ohio State today, Michigan mm-hmm. did not have a win over a team that was ranked in higher than 23rd in, um, in the net ratings. Hmm. Baylor had five wins over teams ranked higher than 23rd in the net ratings. And Gonzaga had six wins against teams ranked higher than 23rd in the net ratings. I, I, I just I want to put that context out there for all of the Michigan fans that keep telling me, yeah, you know, get, Gonzaga doesn't play the same schedule. And, uh, you know, Baylor doesn't play the same schedule. Well, you know what? Gonzaga and Baylor have actually played a significantly more difficult schedule. Now, some of that's going to change because Michigan's making up some of these games. And, and a lot of that stuff was like, a result of the fact that the last three weeks when they had some like loaded games, they got canceled. Yeah. Uh, aren't weren't played, but I mean, let's, let's chill on the, the schedule strength stuff. Cause like Michigan fans don't want it there. Um, mm. But the larger point is, okay, we have a team that's 16 and one. We have a team that has proven how good they are defensively, right? We have a team where we know that they can beat you with Isaiah livers. They can beat you with Shawnee Brown. They can beat you with Eli Brooks. They can beat you with Hunter Dickinson. They're three best players are all going to end up playing in the NBA, right? If they want to go two guards, they can do that. If they want to have three big athletic wings, they can do that. They have depth. They have athleticism. Um, At at what point do I just kind of say like, okay, forget the specifics that you're worried about. You have an awesome team right here with three pros at their three most important positions. Like at what point do I kind of get to that where I just kind of say, you know what? Like maybe I'm, I'm overthinking this a little bit too much. And I don't know. I honestly don't know like when I can be there, but I'll tell you what, like seeing that performance today um, made me feel like maybe I need to start moving away from the idea that there's not a, like a, a tier, like the best tier is three teams. I don't know. I just, I'm t- kind of talking, talking through it a little bit by myself trying to figure it out. So I, I mean, know. at the end of the day, they got to pass your eye test too. Like, I mean, that's how I felt about it when I, wa- I wanted to watch them play against competition. And when I saw them play against some competition early before they had to take another break, I I was impressed. I, I liked the, I, how well they played as a team and how maybe they might not be as dangerous consistently with Mike Smith and Eli Brooks. The other the other three guys, they, they do a really good job of keeping uh, teams honest. But when they all start, when those three get going and, then, and now you have to like help a little, then Mike Smith and Eli Brooks can go in and, and do their part as well. It just... Uh, I don't know. It's just something about it. When I first saw it, I was like, yeah, this is a very, very great, good, excuse me. I was going to say great, very, very good overall team. Like when I think of them in Gonzaga or them in Baylor, they're not that, but they, but they have their own, like, for some reason they have their own, like unique, like them, like, you know what I mean? I, I when I see them, I can kind of see them aside from like how I look at Baylor and Gonzaga up, up top. I see them off to themselves in away from the crowd as well. You know, yeah. I, I thought I saw Texas there, but I, <laughs> they they were they were on their way down. So, <laughs> yeah, I need to tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. When you win at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, they pay fast. And now, it's even faster with rush pay instant approval for withdrawals. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. Trust me, I know because I use them. So with March Madness right around the corner, there's never been a better time to give Bet Rivers Sportsbook a try. Go to BetRivers.com today or download the Bet Rivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, I, I do think we should talk a little bit about Ohio State because I think that um, – you know, a top four team loses. I think it's something that we do need to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still very much in on them being like a number one seed. I don't think losing to this Michigan team should do anything to affect your opinion of, of this team at all. Um, I thought that they played really, really well. I thought the flaws in uh, some of their like the the Role things players. that they do defensively and like uh, some of their issues in the paint were kind of exposed by Michigan. But again, like on another day, you know, maybe EJ Liddell, instead of going seven for 15, goes nine for 15. Um, Kyle Young is a little bit more effective. Justin Arns makes a couple threes and, you know, it's a different game. 
Um, But for me, again, like I think the difference between really good teams and great teams are the great teams are not going to beat themselves. And I thought that at the end of this game down the stretch, um, I don't – I don't think necessarily think that I was uh, Ohio State gave the game to Michigan, but they ensured that they were not going to win this game with some of the things that that happened on the stretch. And there were two specifically, or three things specifically. One, that behind a back pass, man, like um, that was, was so bad. It yeah, bounced I, three times, did it not? Like, yeah, yeah, like it was. So I don't, I don't think that. Um, so I saw people criticizing him for throwing the behind the back pass, but if that pass, like that's, that's kind of how you have to make that pass in that situation, considering like where he is on the floor, where the defense is, how they're lined up and where you want that ball to go. Um, so I don't think it was the fact that it, it was a behind the back pass. I think no matter how he threw that pass, it was going to be a dumb pass. Cause EJ Liddell was not. No popping. one was there. They were, they looked like they were one of the stat. I thought they were staggering at first. Like they looked like they yeah. were sending a stagger or somebody was going to the basket. I didn't know what would there was some kind of miscommunication that 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 led that led it to um, going from being a three point game with two and a half minutes left with the yeah. ball to being a six point game with two and a half minutes left after an and one at the other end like that 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 was kind of like the nail on the coffin yeah more or less like it was going to be very very difficult for Ohio State to come back after that um, but then they still had a chance except for like Dwayne Washington made two just completely head scratching defensive plays one of them was. Uh, Michigan was down or Michigan was up four there. Yeah. I want to say there was a minute 45 left and like there's five seconds on the shot clock. He's guarding Mike Smith ball goes to, uh, no, I'm sorry. He's guarding Eli Brooks. Eli Brooks. Ball goes to Eli Brooks. He closes out like four feet to the dude's left and give, gives him a lane right down to the middle of the, the, the basket. Eli Brooks makes the layup, but that's when Hunter Dickinson got the, got the tap plan. in and everybody gave Hunter Dickinson credit for getting that, that put back, which yes, they probably should. But like, Dwayne Washington just playing Ole defense, like go drive right down the middle of the lane. I don't want to defend this paint here. I don't want to defend it. That's basically what he did. And then the other one, like what the hell was he doing on that double team? Remember that, bro? The I the like at the end of the day, you can. How can I put it? I I try to relate this to other people before. It's just like, all right, you can sit there and say, you know. You're you could have won the game if you didn't have those like if you if they uh, took care of those plays that you just mentioned there. Mm-hmm. And then I know some people will say, oh, like they could have won the game if they took care of business early. But when you get the opportunity to like play in these close games, like all these these little things matter. So like I know it's important to look at the entirety of the game and say Ohio State could have did this better and that better, but they still were and they still had the opportunity to win the game. And when you have that double team was stupid. <laughs> just was I couldn't think of any. I, I didn't know if that was. It didn't look honest. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I saw them double throughout the game. So initially, when I first saw, I was just like, I don't know if that was the coach's idea, more or less. Or so I don't want to well, say he well, was. No, I know how I know it wasn't. I, I know it wasn't. I, 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 <laughs> got back to the huddle. Yeah, Chris, Holtman, Chris Holtman's a, a pretty <laughs> guy. He got back to the huddle, and Chris Holtman was lighting his ass. <laughs> That's how you know that it's like that was that was not something that Chris Holtman was expecting. That's why I said I don't want to say he was still, but I wanted to say that the the action of the double team was not the smartest thing at that time. And that time, it's like, but I, yeah, it's it also. It's also kind of the give and take with Dwayne Washington, right? Like there's guys that you play that uh, knowing that there's going to be some defensive mistakes because you know that they can go out there and get you 30. And that sucks too because he has such a great game, man. Had such a great game. It was so difficult for Michigan to guard him. <laughs> it was – It was. how about – I mean, I hate to like take off of Ohio State because this section is about them. How about Hunter Dickinson with the minute and 20 left on the perimeter? Uh, well, like uh, at the elbow-ish – was he guarding like EJ Liddell? Mm-hmm. He got the stop to go on the other end to get that that put back. Blocked the like, shot, right? Blocked, blocked it. Yeah, got a hand on that. Got back to it. Like, like I was very impressed with the game, man. It might have been to me probably like the best game I've seen all year, man. So yeah, shout out to both those teams. Man. So I'm, um, I'm, yeah. The, to to put a bow on it, uh, I'm I'm still just as uh, enamored with Ohio State as I was before. I still yeah. think that they're probably the front runner for that that last number one seed um and i'm very very 
uh, interested in seeing what happens when um, when Michigan plays. They get uh, Iowa on Thursday. I'm looking at the schedule right now. They get Iowa on Thursday night, Indiana on Saturday, and then Illinois next Tuesday, I believe. It is. Yeah, next Tuesday. So I want to write them. I don't want to write Iowa off, but <laughs> I want. I cannot wait to watch them play against Luka Garza. Yeah, it's gonna. Oh, I can't. I cannot <laughs> wait. Great game. Um, <laughs> Iowa, like low key. I, I'm doing a thing on on them because last five games they've held their opponents under 70 points defensively, and I want. I'm just trying to figure out like what the hell is going on. Like, have they gotten better defensively? Is this a result of playing lesser opponents? Are those guys just missing shots? Like, the, like against Rutgers, I thought their defense was not that much better. They just Rutgers happens to happen to miss the wide open threes that they got. Um, but I, my, my theory, and I'm only I'm, I'm about two and a half games in. My theory is that uh, with CJ Frederick healthy, what happens is one, like he's a pretty good positional defender. Like he's he's not a guy like you don't want him just trying to lock somebody up. Yeah. But he's a good team defender. Like yeah. he'll help at the right time. He'll double at the right time. Um, he'll make the right rotation. He'll make the right read. And that's something that Iowa needs more of. Um, but bigger the the bigger point is that like their transition defense is just utterly atrocious. And part of the reason for that is they play Jack Nungy and Luka Garza together a lot, which makes it – we got two big slow guys out there. It's time to run, uh, yeah. They send three and four guys to the offensive glass, which makes it very difficult to get back on defense. And, like, Luka Garza, he lumbers, and he's always going at 110%. But, like, his 110%, like, kind of is slower than most guys. Yeah, definitely. 100%, I mean, right? Like, he's like not two, the fastest it's like two, guy. It's like 250, 260. It's, it's, it comes yeah, with the territory. But with C.J. Frederick out there, they are significantly more efficient offensively. So my theory is that what happens is when 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 Frederick's out there, you got another sniper out there, a guy that doesn't turn the ball over, a guy that's not going to make mistakes on that end, a guy that's going to make it that much more difficult to double Luka. Um, and uh, the result is that they make more shots. And that sounds really simple, but what happens is when you make more shots and you don't turn the ball over as much, there's less transition, there's less runouts, there's less, there's more, there's more possessions where the other team has to take the ball out of the net, take it out of bounds and inbounds it, which gives Luca like that extra half a second, second to get, to, back, yeah. to get back down, get back down the floor. And it just, it makes it so that they can, one, not giving up transition layups as often. And two, mm-hmm. they can set up that like little one, two, two, whatever they run to kind of slow the play, pace down offensively. So, um, that's kind of my take is that CJ Frederick out there helps them positionally defensively, but more importantly, he makes it so that you don't get as many transition opportunities because they score more. Yeah, most definitely. Not to mention, I mean, you, you, uh, you have the scenario where, what do you, I feel like that they, I feel a, a team that shoots the ball as well as Iowa does should like kind of live by this. It's like, what would you rather have the 50, 50 pass or the 50, 50 shot? Mm-hmm. So if you get in a scenario where you can make a 50-50 pass, don't make it because if it's not a guaranteed layup or a guaranteed jump shot, then it's a chance for a turnover, which is not in Iowa's benefit. But if these guys shoot the way they shoot the ball, if it's like a 50-50 jump shot, contested or not, it's still got a chance to go in with the way they shoot the ball. So, I mean, you rather I'd rather Iowa shoot the ball than try to make crazy passes and it leads to turnovers where to an area where they're not great at. So, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. It makes a lot of sense. And, and CJ Frederick, like to his credit, um, I did not realize this about him. Like he is, he's like literally the most efficient guy in college basketball. Um, according to Ken Palm, who, who like I'm always on Ken Palm, his, uh, his offensive rating is third nationally, um, which basically means every possession that ends with him, like with a shot or whatever, like if he's the last offensive player, to, to have the ball in a possession, uh, he averages 1.41 points on that possession, which is like an insanely high. Yeah, that's actually interesting. That's a lot for Luka Garza. <laughs> Luka Garza is at 1.26 uh, to put that into context. So uh, okay. over a hundred okay. possessions, like CJ Frederick is going to have 15 more points than Luka Garza at their current. We, and, and we're talking about a uh, player of the year here. We got yeah. a guy. <laughs> and we got a guy here on the same the team. Craziest that you want, you want to hear a crazy <laughs> stat. You want to hear like an utterly insane stat. Guess how many turnovers CJ Frederick has this season. Just guess total, total, total turnovers this season. Okay. Let me go for a wild answer out of the park under 10. Yes. All right. Um, seven lower four 
four turnovers this season. Oh wow! <laughs> Are you serious? This season? How many I, how, how many games has he played in? He's played in all but four games. He's been banged up a little bit, but like he he's basically averaging like twenty six minutes a game, right? Guess what? Guess when his last turnover was? Just take a guess. It had to be like in December. Yes. Gonzaga. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just like thinking, he, like, he turned the ball over against Gonzaga. He hasn't, <laughs> he has, he has zero wow. turnovers in Big Ten play. He has zero turnovers in Big Ten play. Talk about taking 350 minutes in the Big Ten, and Mr. he has Lyle. zero turnovers in Big Ten play. That's Mr. that is incredible. That is, that incredible. is incredible. That is incredible. Wow. Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah, I didn't either. I just figured that out tonight. He, has, hmm. he doesn't have a turnover in Big Ten play. God bless CJ Frederick. What a legend. No, you should definitely like post something for that. That's very interesting. No clue. I had no yeah, clue. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so good for him. Support for today's episode of Dawson Deshaun is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tool for your grooming experience with more than 2 million users worldwide manscaped has partnered with me and Deshaun to provide an exclusive offer to you 20% off and free shipping with the code field at manscaped.com so let me tell you a little bit about their perfect package 3.0 kit it starts with the lawnmower 3.0 their third generation trimmer that features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology you don't want to worry about nicking the goods while you're trying to clean up down there feel confident when you're shaving your balls with the lawnmower 3.0 in addition to the new blade the lawnmower 3.0 comes with an led light for a more precise trim and it's waterproof so you can take the grooming to the shower truth be told you don't want to be using the same trimmer on your balls as on your face the Perfect Packages 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and ball moisturizer, as well as the Crop Reviver, which keeps the goods from sticking to your leg. Plus, Manscaped threw in a couple of free gifts for you, a pair of boxer briefs and a travel bag, so you can trim on the go. So get 20% off and free shipping right now with the code FIELD at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. With code field, your balls will thank you. All right, uh, let, let's get into Jalen Johnson, then we'll get into the Big Twelve stuff because I think that Jalen Johnson is a little bit more interesting. Um, for the people that have been kind of um, out of the loop, which seems uh, pretty unlikely, like Jalen Johnson was a top ten, top fifteen recruit coming out of high school, a potential lottery pick, went to Duke, um, and it has not gone great for him. Uh, he had COVID before he got there, so he got two. He got there two weeks later than all of his teammates. Uh, that wasn't until like the end of August, when typically we get there in June. He never really had a chance to bond. He never really had a chance to settle in. Um, he he didn't always get along with everyone, and, and I don't know if that would have mattered uh, if he had been able to spend more time with them. Um, but like it was very obvious that it was just it was not working. Uh, so he ended up leaving the program um, on Monday, last Monday. And uh, they went out last week and they won two games. They blew out Wake Forest and they beat Virginia at home in a win that that could end up putting Duke um, into the NCAA tournament. Uh, They are now five and zero on the season without Jalen Johnson. And that doesn't include the the win against NC state when he only played eight minutes, the the game that where he decided to leave. And my contention has been that this was something that was good for both sides, right? he was something of a distraction in the locker room. Um, when you have a guy that's not totally bought in, in a college basketball setting that can really like bring everything down. Uh, as far as Jalen is concerned, like, look, he he's, he's there for one year and he's getting to the NBA. Um, if he's sitting the bench, if he's not playing, that's not helping his future. Right. And, and who cares about draft stock? It's not helping him get better at basketball, which is really what you need to be doing at this point in your career. So if he wants to leave and just go spend like six months in the gym working on his jump shot, that is probably better for him as a player long term. So I think both sides end up benefiting from this because it was just very clear that this was a relationship that was not going to work. Right. And there's nothing wrong with cutting ties once you realize that like a relationship is not going to work. So um, I'm curious your take on any of that, uh, but mostly I just want to know, like, 
you spent a lot of time in locker, basketball locker rooms, like at all levels, as a coach, as a player, at the college level, at the professional level, at the NBA level. And I'm just like wondering, um, in your experience, like what kind of impact can can that kind of a thing have? Right. I, I know you probably you, you may not know like the, necessarily all of the specifics, but if there's one guy that's like not bought in, one guy that is a bit of a distraction, like the, how much. What does that do to a locker room? Does it do anything? Am I reading too much into it? I mean, I don't, I don't know many basketball teams. Like, there's, there's basketball teams that are, that always have like two or three guys that aren't fully bought in. Like, I mean, it's, it's not easy to make everybody's, like, basically buy into one thing all the time, especially when you have ten or twelve guys that who are really good basketball players wherever they came from. And now they're in a new place or, I mean, not just 12 guys. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like all these guys have been really good basketball players at one point in time and they're on one team and everybody, I mean, you want to compete. So not everybody's always going to be bought in. Some people can put their, their shit to the side and, and buy in and other people have a harder time doing it. And then, then, and they'll do it sooner or later. And then other people just never do it. Like, I don't know many teams that are all on the same page. Usually it's the greater good of the group is like the guys that play the majority of the minutes are the guy. And, and you hope that the bench and everybody else is bought in to not be a distraction to the team and, and, and like stop what's going on. I mean, you hope, but I don't know many teams where every last person from starter to the very end of the bench is just like, I'm I'm fully in there. Like I've seen that whether it be high school to professional. Like there's going to be somebody going through their own personal stuff. Does it change it when it's one of like so the the thing that that makes this interesting with Jalen is like he's the guy that gets the most attention. He's the most talented player on the roster, but like he wasn't the best player on this team, right? Yeah. Like, and I think that that probably has more of an like normally if you're if you're a guy that's like the ninth guy on the bench for the most part, like you're, you're probably there for a reason, yeah. right? Like you're probably like, you may not be good enough, even if you think you are um, Jalen Johnson. I think the talent is there, but it's also like, okay. Uh, it's hard to have him and Matthew Hart on the floor at the same time, because they're both kind of fours. Neither mm-hmm. of them can really guard the three. Neither of them can really protect the rim. And Oh, by the way, like Matthew Hurt is, is having like a borderline ACC player of the year caliber season. while Jalen Johnson mm-hmm. is, you know, not still can't shoot. So yeah, um, does that does would that change it? You know what I mean. It it changes it in the sense that the I mean he has competition. I I don't. Here's the thing. Like I'm all for if a guy doesn't want to be if a guy doesn't want to be there anymore. Obviously, I'm all for you not like it, the coach and the guy sit down and like you know what if you want to leave you can go ahead and leave transfer if you want to do whatever you're gonna do you're gonna do it. If you're not going to be a distraction to the team, I get it. But at the same time, like when, like, if it was just like, all right, if we all could just like be in a scenario, if we're on a team or we're working together and just because you just, you're not happy for that one moment, you just can leave whenever you want to. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be able to leave. Of course he could leave whenever he wants to, but like, when is it like not quitting anymore? <laughs> like, when is it like, you know, I, like I heard like people say like, Oh, like he hadn't really got a chance to know these dudes. Well, like, what? Like he, ha- he hasn't got a chance to know that he's on a team with these dudes. They practice together. They're not around anybody really except each other. I mean, it's not like they're getting a chance to see their families all, all the time. So like he's in his apartment or his like dorm or wherever. And then he's with these guys. Like if he hasn't gotten to know these guys between the season starting and now, like then Obviously, it's he's the problem. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is so, definitely on him. That is very true. So like, I just wonder when it like, and I don't want to kill him because I mean, obviously, I don't want to. If if this is not working out, like I agree, it's always good to like just call it what it is and save everybody the headache and trouble. But then sooner or later, like, there's going to be tough stuff and there's going to be tough scenarios all over the place, and it, it doesn't get any easier when he leaves college. So yeah. like, because it just. Like it gets to a certain point where he's like, well, like uh freaking Denny Avdia is ahead of me or someone else is ahead of me. And I'm just like, this isn't for me. Like that doesn't work. <laughs> like I just, so sooner or later, like we can't just like dress 
everything as you know, yeah, he opted out. You didn't opt out of anything. Like he quit the team while these guys. The only reason I would hesitate basketball. Use, I would hesitate to use the word quit is because quit implies that Duke would still want him there. You know what I mean? Like I, I think yeah, that is true. That is true. I, I think part it's, of it's both sides of it. You're right. Yeah, I, I think part of like if you look at the way that some of these statements were released and some of the way like the way that they phrased it, I think it's clear that that Duke is trying to um, make this seem as uh, beneficial, maybe beneficial is the wrong word, but spin it as positively as they can. Yeah. Jalen, which tells me that like um, maybe it wasn't an amicable, 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 amicable. Yeah. Amicable. amicable. That's a, that's a hard word to say. Amicable. Amicable. Yeah. Amicable. I got it. I got it. It's late. It's like, <laughs> no, you're, no, so you're, you were right. You just don't second guess yourself. Right. You yeah. So it's like, um, <laughs> I forgot. Now I lost my train of thought. There you go. Uh, no, so like maybe it wasn't an amicable parting of ways, but it was a mutually agreed to parting of ways, which is why like I just had to hesitate on the quitting stuff. But like overall, like yeah, I your your point your point's not wrong. Um, I also love how you dropped the Denny Avdia in there. Like, what, I got. What, I got. What, I got. I got. that popped up. Because I always think of like young guys going into the NBA, and I'm not saying him, but I just think of guys just. Like, that's the next level. You're going to leave college. You're going to leave your team overseas and try to go to an NBA. And if things aren't working out all the time, sometimes I'm not saying you have to just run through a brick wall, but sometimes you might have to, like, get some growing pains. Like, I think of him going to a gym just so he can go, like, and not being a part of Duke, a great program, to go shoot jump shots. And he could be shooting jump shots at Duke and then just figuring out ways to help a team because when he gets to the NBA, chances are he's not going to be – I don't know if he's going to be the guy they're going to hand the entire franchise over to. Yep, yep. Yeah, you're definitely So, right. like, right. so he, he just learns to play from, you know, different yeah, a right. different perspective. Yep, you're right. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to the Big 12. We can, we can touch on that a little bit and then get out of here. Nah, um, I want to start with – so West Virginia had that, that great comeback, and we're going to talk about that, I promise. Um, but, again, another thing, another, another little tip on the sideline. Uh, for the people that did not see it, um, when Texas was up, I think they were up by like 15 at this point. Uh, after Andrew Jones failed to close out on a three-point shooter, he missed a defensive rotation. West Virginia guy made the shot. Uh, coming back to the timeout, Courtney Ramey, like, went after him. And they had to be physically separated. And it wasn't the kind of thing where, like, you pulled him away and it was over. Like, Courtney Ramey kept going at him. Andrew Jones kept barking. Like, there was there was a lot of pent-up uh, frustration there. And it seemed um, – and I, I don't necessarily have any uh, – uh, definitive intel on this but it seemed like there was something a little bit more um going on there than simply being like one guy mad at a at someone that didn't close out so um and from there on like i mean you watched it hey like the the air went out of texas yeah and it was very clear that like okay west virginia had all the i don't like using the word momentum but like they had all the momentum they had all the confidence they had all the Everything was going well for them. So have you ever been involved on a team where there was like a fight on the sideline, where there was something like that going on? And, and <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you have. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you have based off of where you went to college. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you know, hey, we, we always have uh, – we, like whatever team I've been on, there's always been some type of something. Like, and it's I'm not every it's team. It's normal, yeah. right? Like, you got it's a part of competitive dudes in one locker yeah. room. Like, people are going to yeah. go at it once People are like. going to get heated – mistakes are going to be made. People are going to call people out if you're an honest team. And obviously it always comes down to like how you relay information. And these guys are in college. So they're still like emotional about certain things. And that, that stuff happens. Like that's just, it's just a matter of how players and staff deal with that. But that definitely from what I uh, saw and then I heard about it first, I didn't even get a chance to say I had to rewatch like it was uh that's definitely it kind of seemed like it was more than uh just a possessional thing. Yeah, and and so. it it was very clear that after that Texas was different. Like yeah. it took the it took the air out of them. Like so much of what Shaka does is kind of build that 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 culture and build that family atmosphere and you, you saw the air completely go out of that the minute that happened. Yeah, man, but that's what but that's another thing that comes along with that, man. Like when you build a culture uh, and you get a, a group of guys like you think of Texas team, they are a family like you know tight like tight knit family type st- like style, and 
one little thing can like push you off with your family. <laughs> so like when you get these guys that are like that close together and, and something bad like that can like kind of make a, makes a situation very sour. And you can either have one of those families, families that are like, you know what, that's over, let's get by it, blah, blah, blah. Or some guys are going to be mad at each other for a little bit longer until, you know, they straighten out because it's so close to like big 12 tournament yeah. and, and, and NCAA and tournament. Also, we also should mention that Texas, um, I mean, they've gone through everything that's going on in the state of Texas. The Texas team is the yeah, exactly. I know that there's a player on the Texas team that is has dealt with like the uh, his he had like a the pipe burst kind of a thing, and like his his dorm room was was um, or his apartment was destroyed, and like it, it's I, I'm sure that those guys are kind of like with everything else going on in the world, like the isolation and the fact that we're like in the middle of a pandemic and you're playing this game with no fans and you've been grinding without getting the chance to go like see your family for like eight or nine months now, like it's wearing on them. Everyone's kind of on a knife's edge here. And I yeah. and some of that, it, it boiled over and, and yeah, it has exactly. negative effects and ramifications. Um, All right. Uh, talk your shit about West Virginia. Go ahead. Relax, relax. Yeah, what relax. you got to say? I'm, let I'm me getting, ask you this. I'm getting there. <laughs> I want to save let, it this let moment. Me, let me ask you this. When is West Virginia going to stop digging themselves these holes? I don't know, honestly. Um, I... When I like it, just I feel I feel like depending on the team they play, when they dig themselves their whole these holes, it's just like it almost caters to the team they're playing against. Like it, it doesn't even matter who it is. I mean, uh, like Texas Tech, like they play absolutely ugly. Like they make teams play ugly. Texas Tech does a good job of doing that, and then they get into their rhythm, and they make West Virginia play ugly, and then all of a sudden West Virginia figures out a way to, you know, get by. They, the same thing with Oklahoma State and at Oklahoma State. And I look at this game, man, I was, I talked about this before. Um, and I, I'd said the only way I'd be worried if I was West Virginia against Texas is bigs. Like Jericho Sims is relentless on the glass usually. <laughs> and frigging like I, I told him, I was like Jericho Sims, Greg Brown, like these guys, they're so big, long and athletic. That would be the only thing that would give us a problem. But we also, because those guys are so, you know, long and athletic, we also have an advantage in, you know, we have shooters on the perimeter. And we can, we, because we can shoot the ball, we've been shooting the ball so well, we can attack and take advantage of off the bounce opportunities to find other people. And I mean, the first half, man, those first like five to 10 minutes, Jer- Jericho Sims was just like, it was nothing anyone can do. It was like ball screen, roll, lob. Offensive rebound, dunk, like it, it. Jericho Sims looked amazing, but second half, I mean, they were down what ten at half, and then Texas came out hot, got up to like nineteen, a nineteen point lead, and then West Virginia. Derek Culver got to the free throw line. The rest of the guy, like, they had twenty five fouls, like <laughs> that twenty five fouls, sixteen turnovers. Like at that point, like when they're doing that and, and we're shooting like 40 high forties for, from three and like, and we got to the free throw line, we got to the free throw line 20, we, we were 26 from like 37 from the, the free throw line. That's a lot of free throws. I think Texas only shot like 10 free throws total. So like they should have shot more. They should have, they should have shot more. They should have shot more. And, I, I want to argue with that. about that. Like I, I do want to make, I want to make this point very clear. Um, the end of the game, Texas was fouled twice on that last possession. I thought I thought Jericho Sims got hit. Yeah, so the it was the hold going around that screen. Um, you know, Gabe Osaboyan tried to tried to arm tackle Greg Brown. Yeah. Greg Brown fought through the arm tackle, uh, was able to run the play, and then um, so that one that one to me was very very clearly a foul. And there's nothing you could say to argue against it. The refs just swallowed their whistle, and that one didn't call it. The one on Sims, he got hit on the wrist. But if you want to make the argument and tell me that um, he caught the ball and then tried to shoot it while he was in the air, and then that was more than three seconds, and that by definition, when he released the ball, the game was already over, so that the foul when he released it um, was not like, <laughs> after the whistle. Like, okay, like that – I get it, but like you would pro- you would think they would probably have to like go to the monitor if that's the rule. That if that's the case, so, like, yeah. Uh, no, like that – whatever. Like they missed two foul calls in the final yeah, play. Like, it is what it is. Um, and Texas does have a right to be a little bit of grief, but like also you didn't lose that game because the refs missed two foul calls. No. You lose that game because 
you blew a 19 point second half lead at home. Yeah, 19 point second half lead at home. You got zero points from Greg Brown. You got four points from Kai Jones. Andrew Jones played, uh, he put okay. He had three, nine points and eight boards, but like he had like, a wide, oh, yeah, wide open three to take the lead with like that would have basically been a game winner again. Wide open and it then, went like it went like in and out, you know, yeah. I mean, in and out. It's a it's a tough one. They should, I, I honestly, I, I I called the Mountaineers to win the game because I like that's family, of course. But you haven't geez. picked that was all season long. <laughs> I know we'd be undefeated if we were going off my takes, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. I've been beating everybody literally. So I, I'm still I still have hope for the the undefeated season. That's over though, but. Yeah, man, like Texas just – they had the game in their hands and they let it go at home. So, I mean – Yeah, so, I mean, you, you're allowed to be frustrated, but, I mean, it's not, that's not why you lost the game. You lost yeah. the game because you blew it. All right, uh, last thing that I do just want to talk on, then we can get out of here, is, is Kansas and Texas Tech. Um, look, I'm starting to come around a little bit on your boy. I would hope so. Starting because, to come around a little bit on your guy. You because, want, uh, here's, here's why. Here's why. Please talk to me. What he started doing is just burying people in the post, catching the ball in front of the rim, turning around and laying it in. And when he does that, like, he's very, very good at that. We don't have any more of these, like, turnaround fadeaways. We don't he, have made, he made two. He made two in the game. Yeah, but Clean. It, but, it, but, it was, but it was after, like, he already had it going. And, like, look, if you're in a rhythm, okay, it's a little bit different. But my guy, my guy, David McCormack, is not a game – I hope you don't sleep on him. He's good. He's only, he's he's only going to get better. He's yes, only going to get better. He has, he has gotten significantly better. And, and here's, here's, here's the proof, right? So right now, his offensive – we talked about offensive rating before and his per possession stuff. He's at 1.08 points per possession. His offensive rating is 108.1. Uh, earlier in the year, when I was like, yo, they can't run the ball through David McCormick, he was at 75 and I was trying to tell oh, you, he's, he's got, creeping yeah. up. You, yeah. Oh, you were right. You were right. I'm, he's I'm telling you, he's working. But like I said, man, they Kansas started. They started the game like with a 12-4 run. Um, they were aggressive. Um, did you see Bryce Thompson's like reverse yeah. double clutch? That that was tough. That was tough. And uh, you know it's tough when 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 Deshaun's got the. I was like, that was that was, and he fell a little bit. Looked, I, you know, I got to do the. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it was so it was a tough move. Um, Abaji had the mean uh the mean alley oop in the second half. Like I I like the energy that Kansas played, but I also picked them to win that game at home too. I I thought they dropped a couple of those um games earlier in the conference at home. And I just didn't first see them coming out just uh, laying down to Texas Tech. I didn't see that. I And I honestly, in my heart of hearts, I thought Dave McCormack, who plays very well against teams with, like, a physical big because he gets to play a little bit more physical. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To, like, and that's one of your points from earlier this season. So I'm taking that. He likes to play a little bit more physical when he plays against a big that's, you know, a physical guy, Marcus – Santos Silva is that he's a very physical. Big. Marco Santos Silva is basically um, is basically David McCormick, just like four inches shorter. <laughs> and and David McCormick is killing, of course. So, um, but so yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of David. I'm kind of back in on Kansas. Like I don't think that they're like Final Four good, um, but I, I don't. I thought for a while that like this was a team that could end up losing in the first round of the tournament, and, and you know anything's possible. But I've kind of come around on the idea that like. Their ceiling is not what we expect it to be because they don't have that like star. You know, I, I just I think about what this team could be if like Quentin Grimes didn't transfer out because he would still be there right now, or if mm. Devon Dotson had come back for his junior year. Um, like if they just had that that lead guard, that playmaker that could take some of the the pressure off of Marcus Garrett for being like the guy. Um, so I don't think that they're like I don't think that they're a real threat to the Final Four, but like they're probably going to win at least a game. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I could see them the second round or to the second weekend. I could see them possibly get into a second, or second, a second or third game, bro. Yeah, like, I mean, I, they get to a Sweet Sixteen if, if the matchups break right. Like maybe an Elite Eight. Like I just don't. I don't see them winning four games. You know, I don't see them beating. Someone. I wouldn't be surprised, man. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. 
Kansas, I kind of feel like they're most dangerous on their offensive rebounds and, and, and getting the ball back out. Like, I feel like similar to when we played uh, against Kansas, W played Kansas, and they were able to get these, like, long rebounds and then get the ball back out, which is so, it sucks to say, like, they become the, the old Mountaineers. But, um, no, nah, like, they, uh, they came out and played. They played against Texas Tech, got a ton of offensive rebounds, Christian Brown, kickouts to uh Obagi and and even other and, and McCormack to Christian Brown the time like these guys did a really good job of shooting from the perimeter Jalen Wilson made some shots from the perimeter um I feel like Kansas has the opportunity that, uh to get to a second and third game in the tournament I, I think they I think they can do it yeah yeah they're good um all right so I think that that's probably Good for today. We can save some of the stuff about Kentucky and some of the Blue Bloods for later on in the week. We'll see if the trend continues. Um, Deshaun, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I know you got a lot of games coming up this week. Um, I, you are you are actually a college basketball coach. I don't know if people yeah. realize this. Like you actually, you're yeah. not just here. You're not just here fucking around with me on a podcast a couple times <laughs> a week. Like you actually are a college basketball coach. So uh, we will have another special guest on Thursday because Deshaun has a game. Now look, I need you. I need you to promise me something. It's winners only here on the field of sixty-eight. So I need I need like a I need like a three and one week out of you. Oh, I'm praying. I'm praying. <laughs> my guys, my guys are have gotten better, man. Uh, we keep uh, we keep losing these uh, second half uh, opportunities. We stole. Uh, we got a nice little win. Uh, what is it? A uh, game before last, and then we played a really a good team. A team we should have beat, though. It's like one of those where we shouldn't have lost, but we ended up losing at the. Yeah, the you're last good there. You're good there. Now, now. Now that they got a, a, a real basketball mind on the staff, now they got Dayton <laughs> Butler. With Anyways, um, if you're still here, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, do all of the things that make us happy as podcasters. Uh, and if you want more exclusive content from the entire network, go check out the Field of 68 YouTube channel. Deshaun, I guess I'll see you next Monday, man. Yeah.